Hey, we are continuing in a series called Limitless. Everybody say Limitless. Come on, expanding our limitless power and potential through Christ Jesus who died for us, saved us, and is living inside of us and is giving us power and dominion and rule. Did you know in the Bible, back in the times of Adam and Eve, he said to Adam, he said, hey, you will have dominion over the world. Man, I love that because what God was saying is he was saying, hey, listen, there is so much potential or power inside of you more than anything else I created and you get to dominate. I want to continue um, in this, this limitless power and this limitless potential. Today, I want to continue um, in this series uh, with a title of my message today is Where Breakthrough Begins. Where Breakthrough Begins begins. Come on, would you pray with me today one more time today? Dear Lord, we love you, God. We thank you, Jesus, that youth group can be a fun place, God, that we can have a good time in church. Lord, I thank you, God, uh, for the message that you want to speak to us tonight. God, I pray that every single uh, person in this room would be touched from heaven tonight. We love you and we praise you. And everybody said amen and amen and amen and amen. Did you know that any great victory, any great uh, story, there is a starting place, right? Like anything that is successful has a starting line, right? Any breakthrough has a beginning, okay? Tonight I want to talk to you about where breakthrough begins because here's what I believe. I believe that whether you're in this room at some point in your life, you will need a breakthrough, Come on, how many of you in this place, you just need a breakthrough in your life. Maybe you need a miracle. Maybe you just need some hope in your heart. Maybe you just need a little extra faith. I believe that God wants to come and give somebody a breakthrough here tonight. It's where breakthrough begins. You see, did you know that we serve a very um, time-sensitive society? Right. Like like uh, what I mean by that is that we as human beings have been wired and we've been enlightened to this idea that everything has to happen now. Like, it has to happen now. We have fast food, fast internet, fast Wi-Fi, fast, fast, fast. Everything has to happen now. The only issue is what happens if you ask God for something now and he doesn't give it to you? Does that mean that he fell through? Does that mean that he failed? No, it just means that the sequence or the thing that you are asking isn't aligned with the season that you're in. You see, here's the thing about breakthrough is you have to understand that breakthrough is a two-part process. Okay, breakthrough is a two-part process. And don't ever try to expedite God's breakthrough in your life. Because if you do, you will eliminate God's blessing on your life. Man, somebody needs to write that down. Don't try to expedite God's breakthrough in your life. Because if you do, it will eliminate God's blessing on your life. What do I mean by that? It's like drinking a cup of hot chocolate immediately when you take it out of the microwave. Man, how many of you know, just because the hot chocolate is done doesn't mean your mouth is ready to consume it. So if you try to drink it before you're ready for it, then all of a sudden, it's instead of bringing comfort, it's actually going to bring pain. Man, how many times in your life, I want this now, but he said, guess what, the process of God's breakthrough in your life. Like you said, listen, God, I want this now, but he said, guess what, you're not ready for it. And if I give it to you, then what's going to happen is you're going to miss it. And you started your race. Use it and you're going to abuse it. And you're going to be left in more pain and struggle than even when you started your race. This is the place where breakthrough begins. Place where breakthrough begins. Tonight I want to talk to you in a story about Moses. Okay, I love Moses because uh, Moses 
is a person in the Bible. He was a slave born to slaves that found himself in a position of royalty. Okay? If you know the story of Moses, you know that Moses was sent down the river because his mother was, uh, th- there was a law that all the firstborns had to be killed. And so he was about to be killed. And so his mother put him in a basket and threw him down the river. Okay? All of a sudden, he made it to Pharaoh's house. And the Pharaoh's daughter picked him up and they raised him. Okay? Now, I considered doing this with my firstborn because if it worked out for Moses, then it must work out for me. But then my wife said no. So we just didn't do it. Okay? And so tonight I want to talk to you out of the story of Moses. You see, the thing about Moses that many of us can relate to is what happened at the beginning of his journey. Okay, I'm not talking about the beginning of his life, but I'm talking about the beginning of when God said, Moses, you are going to do greater things. Here's what I believe. I believe that there are some people in this room that you have thought that you weren't going to do greater things. But tonight, God wants to tell you that you will do greater things. You just have to get in alignment with my plan and my purpose for your life. Okay. All of us can relate to this story like God called me to change. You see, what happens when your expectation doesn't meet your reality, though? What happens when God calls you and all of a sudden what he called you to doesn't look like the blessing that you thought you were going to receive? You see, that's what's happening with Moses. What do I mean by that? I'm saying like, like, oh, God, you called me to change my school, but nobody came to my Bible study. God, you called me to be a dinner party leader, but I only had three people show up. God, you called me to reach my family, but guess what? They still make fun of me, so what am I supposed to do now? It's when your expectation doesn't meet meet your reality, but that's exactly what's happening in the life of Moses, okay? And tonight, I want to teach you from Acts 7, verse 20. It says this, in just such a time, Moses was born a most beautiful baby. He was hidden at home for three months, and when he could not be hidden any longer, he was put outside and immediately rescued by Pharaoh's daughter, who mothered him as her own son. Moses was educated in the best schools in Egypt. He was equally impressive as a thinker and an athlete. If if people ever tell you that athletics is not in the Bible, right there, boom, it is. When he was 40 years old, he wondered how everything was going with his Hebrew homies. And he went out to look things over. He saw an Egyptian abusing one of them, and he stepped in, avenging his underdog brother by knocking the Egyptian flat. In other words, what the Bible is saying is he bust a cap on this fool's booty. He thought his brothers would be glad that he was on their side and even see him as an instrument of God to deliver them. But they didn't see it that way. The next day, two of them were fighting, and he tried to break them up. He told them to shake hands and get along with one each other, one another. He said, friends, you are brothers. Why are you beating each other up? The one who had started the fight said, who puts you in charge of us? Are you going to kill me like you killed that Egyptian yesterday? When Moses heard that, realizing that the word was out, he ran for his exile and lived in exile over in Midian. During the years of exile, two in the wilderness, 40 years later, come on, somebody say 40 years. In the wilderness of Mount Sinai, an angel appeared to him. In the guise of flesh, closer look, he heard God's voice, bush. Moses, not believing his eyes, went up to take a closer look. He heard God's voice, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac. And he turned, frightened nearly out of his skin. Moses shut his eyes and he turned away. I love this story. You see, Moses is seated at the right hand of all authority and power. Okay? Moses is seated at the right hand of the Pharaoh. He has all access to the kingdom of Egypt. 
He has all reign and rule. He can literally do whatever he wanted. He was living the high life. He was living a life free of worry, free of stress, free of endangerment, when all of a sudden his world was flipped upside down. I want to ask you, have you ever been in a situation where your world was flipped upside down? Where you were thought that you were doing everything right. You thought you had it all together and all of a sudden your world gets flipped upside down. Back in the day, me and my homies, we used to play this game called crack the egg. Not this kind of egg. But what we would do is we would get on a trampoline and we would get in a fetal position just like this. And the object, the objective of the game was to try to crack the person who was sitting there. Try to make him sprawl out. I'll never forget it when I was, I think I was nine or ten years old. I, my friend's dad came out. He's like, ooh, I want to play too. Now, this was a big dude. And me, as a boy, I was a small dude. And so I get in the fetal position, and he starts bouncing me, and he starts bouncing me. And all of a sudden, it's fun, and it's great, until I got flipped upside down. And what happened was, is he shot me six feet in the air. And as I looked down to the ground, I realized, oh, my gosh, I'm about to break my neck. Because what happened was, is I was upside down. I looked down to the trampoline, but the trampoline wasn't beneath me. It was to my left. And all of a sudden, all I saw was green grass. And I fell down, and I nearly snapped my neck. People say, you got a big neck. Listen, you don't know what this neck been through, okay? I've seen things with this neck. I started to cry. And all of a sudden, a game that was supposed to bring me joy, all of a sudden brought me pain. See, that's exactly what's happening in the life of Moses. Why? Because you have to understand that there will be seasons in your life that you will get through things, but then there will also be seasons that God puts you in to break things. Okay? So I don't want to talk to you about where breakthrough begins in your life. I said this earlier, but breakthrough is a two-part process. Why is breakthrough so hard? Because a lot of people think breakthrough happens in a moment. No, breakthrough doesn't happen in a moment. Breakthrough happens through a process. Just like it's a two-part process, it's also a two-part word. Come on, so let me break it down for you like this. In order for you to get through something, God has to break something. Why is breakthrough so hard for young people like us? Because, man, we love getting through stuff, but we don't like breaking. Why? Because breaking hurts. Breaking is painful. Breaking leaves scars. Breaking leaves memories. Breaking leaves us fearful. Breaking leaves us with anxiety and guilt and shame. What if what you needed is so good? Breakthrough was to be broken. Man, this is so good for somebody because here's what I believe. I feel this so strong in the room tonight that... Some of you had enough, received your breakthrough, not because you haven't prayed enough, not because you haven't given enough, not because you haven't got in your life to get you through, allowed yourself to be broken enough to realize that you need God in your life to get you through that season into your next season. Something that just happens through process. It's a two-step process. It's not something that just happens in a moment. You see, Moses, he didn't have to save the Israelite. He was in a position of eternal power. But what looked like help all of a sudden turned into hurt. What looked like compassion all of a sudden turned into confusion. And he was left in the wilderness for 40 years. Isn't it funny how we always complain about how long we've been going through something? I don't know if any of us are 40 in this room. I'm not going to make any assumptions. Okay. But 40 years is a long time to be stuck 
in exile in the wilderness. Forty years. This guy is walking around. Just him and his two sons. Trying to figure life out. Trying to figure out how his past got so messed up. Trying to figure out how his situation got so confusing. Walking in the wilderness. for why, why, why is Moses, who did nothing wrong, walking in the wilderness for 40 years? Because get this. Sometimes it takes wilderness to God for God to reveal himself to you most clearly. Somebody needs to get this in your heart that it's often in your deepest disparity. Man, I will show up in the most abundance in your life. See the face of God. Get this to live a life that is broken so that I can see the face of God. Get this. If Moses didn't break, he would have never seen God's face. Sometimes God will make you walk in wilderness seasons for one reason and one reason only, just to have you see his face again. Just so that you can see and remember that he is there. Just so that you can see him and know that, guess what? He has been watching the whole time. It says this in Acts 7. God said, kneel and pray. Kneel and pray. He said, take off your shoes, get down on your knees, and begin to pray. You are in a holy place. You are on holy ground. I've seen the agony of my people in Egypt. I've heard their groans. I've come to help. So get yourself ready because I am sending you back to Egypt. This is so powerful. What if your wilderness was sacred ground? What if the ground that you were walking on, that you tried to discount, God was trying to promote you? What if the ground that you thought was rock bottom, God was saying, listen, this isn't rock bottom. I just needed some clear foundation to build my church on. And it's from this foundation that you will live, that you will prosper, that you will be blessed, that you will make it to your next place. But you got to trust me in this rock bottom place. Did you know that in order for him to go up, he's got to go down first? Did you know that in order for a tree to grow, he has to build deep roots into the ground? Sometimes we feel like we're at rock bottom and it's a place of disparity. But God is saying, no, this was your destiny. This was the place that I wanted you. This is the place that you're going to grow from. This is the place that people are going to walk to and you're going to say, hey, guess what? It's going to be all right because the same God that got me here also brought me up. It's not a rock bottom. It's a foundation. Oh, it's a foundation. He says, hey, I want you to get on your knees. A lot of people call it, say, man, your pain is your prison. No, no, no. What, what if God said, listen, make your pain be a palace of my presence. In the midst of your pain, would you get on your knees? Would you get on your face? It's not about how high you can raise your hands. It's about how low you can get before me at the altar. And I want you to know that in your weakness, I am strong and I'm going to get you to the next place. But you need to make this a palace of worship. Can I tell you, where does breakthrough begin? Breakthrough begins when you're on your knees. Breakthrough begins when you stop looking out to your situation and you start looking up to God and saying, God, I know that you got me, but guess what, God? Even if you don't show up now, I'm still going to worship you. It's like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
you're asked to worship a God and he says, you know what? No, I'm not going to worship that. He says, guess what? I'm going to throw you in the furnace. He says, guess what? Go ahead and throw us in the furnace. Even if God doesn't save us, I'm going to keep worshiping him. Man, what if there were some young people that said, listen, I know that I hurt right now. I know that I don't feel good enough right now, but I'm going to trust God. I'm going to trust that he has a plan for my life. I'm going to trust that my purpose is greater. I'm going to trust that my destiny is before me and not behind me. I'm just going to trust you. It's where breakthrough begins. You see, what if your rock bottom is just get ready? Foundation Oh, and so he's on his knees and he says, hey, Mo, what is it? Here we go. And he says, hey, Mo, something great. And said, Moses says, yeah, I can't wait. God, what is it? Here we go. And he says, hey, Moses, you're going to go back. Uh, like if I was in that situation, like, I, yeah, that's cool. Uh, li- listen, like if I was in that situation, like I'd be on my knees. I'd be like, yeah, God, come on. Tell me what my next assignment is. I, uh, homie, God, I want you to go back to the place that you were exiled from. I'd be like, Scott. Uh, homie God, listen, like, I know that, um, like, you're good, and I know that you're faithful, but listen, I just came from that place. Um, that's the place that I killed a man. That's the place that I got exiled from. That's the place that the people who were my people disowned me. That's the place that I failed. That's the place that landed me at this place that I like to call rock bottom. He says, no, I want you to go back Man, I can't imagine what Moses, the excuses that he had in his heart. But still, God says, Moses, listen, where I am sending you might be the same place, but I'm sending you with a new purpose. It might be the same area that you've been walking, but I am sending you in with a new assignment. What if God is sending you? I believe that God wants maybe the place of your pain, but he's sending you with a new assignment. I believe that God wants to reassign some people's hearts and realign some Moses. Guess what? He wasn't sending Moses just so that Moses could be cool. Why was he sending Moses? He was sending Moses to free some Israelites from the same terrain that he was in when he was in that place what if God was not asking you so that you could save some Israel but he was asking you to return back to that place so that you could save some Israelites that went through the same thing that you were going through oh my god this is so good some of you have been running and not returning I love God because he says hey Moses I know that you got out but there are still millions of people that are struggling and hurting. I've heard their cries and there's only one person that can do it. It's the person who has seen their pain. It's the person who has experienced the pain. It's the person who has been walking in the wilderness who now knows the territory because guess what? The place that you left from, I am also going to free them from and they are going to land in the wilderness with you and I need you to lead them through the wilderness. Man, what if God could use the wilderness seasons in your life? Man, I hate when people complain about being in a wilderness season. Because what I found and what scripture tells me oftentimes in the Bible this wasn't punishing him and the New Testament. Several times what God was doing in the wilderness wasn't punishing. He was just preparing leaders to step up an area and the generations of people that knew the territory that knew the area and that were going to be strong in their faith that's where breakthrough begins often 
accepting the wilderness seasons. Understand this, God, back to that season in order to revive you, but then return you back to that place. What's the purpose? So that you can free some people that went through the same thing that you went through. God borrowed Moses from Egypt so that he could break him in the wilderness, so that he could return him back, so that Moses could free some people. In other words, let me put it in context that you might understand. Come on, God might have broken you. You, you. you might have been rejected by your family. You might have found yourself in a broken place. But guess what? God might have broken you so that you could run to him and so that he could send you back to them to show them the same grace and favor that God showed you. I believe that God wants some people not to run but to go to go back to the place of their hurt, to go back to the place of their rejection. Man, some of you, I feel like there's relationships in this place that you have been running from. People that have used you and abused you, people that have rejected you, people that have done nasty things to you even maybe. Listen, God doesn't want you to run from it. God wants to revive you. He wants to restore you. He wants to forgive you, and he wants you to run back to them and show the same forgiveness that he showed you. He says, Moses, I want you to go back. What are you running from that God wants you to run back to? Come on, I need you to run. You to ask yourself tonight, what are you running from that God is saying, listen, I need you to run back to that place. Moses, I love it because Moses, he saw God in a burning bush. A burning bush. And a bush that was burning. How many times you walk down the street? Zero. Isn't that crazy? He's burning. Zero times. Zero. Isn't that crazy? He's in the wilderness, and all of a sudden, in the desert, he just sees a burning bush that isn't disintegrating. It's not flying up. It's not spitting a fire. It's not causing a forest fire. It's just an everlasting burning bush. You see, what the Bible tells me, through that analogy of a burning bush is if he can use a burning bush, he can use anything to get your attention. Did you know that he can use your pain? He can use a burden. He can even use a broke bank account for you to look back to him. Come on, man. What, what, what do you need to be looking for that you've missed? Maybe, maybe you're scared to look back in your past and God doesn't want to show you that pain, but he wants to show you his face in it. I love it because he's in the wilderness. He's starving and hungry and thirsty and longing for something new. And all of a sudden, he realizes why he is in the wilderness. God wants to show you his face. And he can use anything. But it's when we refuse to look at the burning bushes in our lives that we stay stuck in that situation. I'm going to ask the keys to come back up. In 2003... There was a man. His name was Aaron Ralston. Maybe some of you have heard this story before. He made national news. He was a, an expert rock climber. And he went and he tried to traverse this canyon. He didn't take a cell phone. He didn't even tell anybody that he was going. Okay, this guy was, was kind of stupid. Canyon Valley. And at, 
But as he began climbing, he, he went down through this canyon valley. And as he was climbing down this valley, there was a boulder arm between the, the top and came down and it crushed his right arm between the wall and the boulder. Now, if you know anything, even ever tried to, canyons are extremely difficult to get to. Very few people even ever tried to climb an excursion through canyons because they're so dangerous. Lodged, he was stuck between this rock and this wall. His arm was lodged between the two. And every time he would move, the rock would only sink in deeper and deeper to his arm. This is a true story. For three days, he lived off of two burritos that he had in his backpack and the small canteen of water. It got so crazy that he even had to start drinking his own pee. And there came a time of disillusionment and desperation that he said, listen, the only way that I'm going to get out of this thing is if I cut off my arm. So after three days of being trapped in this boulder, he searched in his backpack with his left hand and he found a two-inch pocket knife. And what he began to do is he literally used that two-inch pocket knife to begin to saw off the bottom half of his arm. He got to the tendons and the ligaments and he got to the nerve that runs all the way up the arm. The pocket knife wasn't sharp enough to cut through it, so he had to flip it over to the pliers, and he had to start picking off every single ligament and nerve in his arm. It got so bloody and disgusting that he passed out until the next day. On the fourth day, he lost 25% of his blood in his body. And he lost 40 pounds. Strand. He got to the final nerve, which was like a spaghetti strand, as he described. He said every single time he touched it, felt like he was nerved, his arm inside of a volcano. Finally, he had the, the blade wouldn't. Only issue was the blade wouldn't cut through the bone. So the, the skin and the ligaments able to dislodge his arm was not just by cutting off the skin and the ligaments, but he had to use the weight of his body and the torque of his turn to literally break the bone. He was four and a half days in. He finally mustered up enough courage to break it. So he used his body He formed it into a cannonball shape. He jumped off the cliff and he snapped his bone in half. It's a true story. So now, not only does he have one amputated arm, he has um, 40 pounds less than what he started with and he lost 25% of his blood. What does he have to do? He has to climb the canyon again. So he climbs the canyon with one arm, and when when he gets to the other side of the canyon, there is a 65-yard drop-off that goes straight down. And with one arm, this man has to free climb down it. It took him six days 
to find somebody that was traveling. Nearly lost his life 127 hours. This man was in excruciating pain until finally one of the canyon workers drove by on a golf cart and found him. Immediately, they sent him off on a helicopter. He still lives to this day, and he tells his story around the world, motivating people to never give up on their dreams. What does this story tell me? Before this ever happened, you could probably count on a number of hands how many people this man was influencing. But now after this story, he has literally influenced millions and millions and millions and millions of people. But what did it take? Not just asking God, get me through it. But God, would you break off something that I cannot take into this next season? I love it because I believe that tonight God wants to amputate some things in our lives so that he can get you off of the canyon and into influence and leadership like you have never felt before. A destiny that you don't even know you have yet. A place just like Moses. You have to understand that Moses was scared. But he said, listen, Moses, you are weak right now. But guess what? With faith and courage, you're going to walk up to the Pharaoh and you're going to say, let my people go. And all of a sudden, there are going to be Israelites that begin to flood and they begin to march. And you're going to get to the sea and it's going to split. And guess what? They're going to make it because of you and the pain that you went through. What does God need to break off of you tonight? Is it an attitude? Is it a sin? Is it a temptation? Is it an addiction? Maybe drugs. Maybe even alcohol. Maybe you have a lust problem. Maybe you have some unforgiveness. Maybe you're just carrying a burden. Maybe it's your attitude. I don't know what it is. But I do know if you want God to take you to limitless potential, if you want him to fly you off of the canyon, then you have to break something tonight. Because God can't get you through anything if you're not willing to break something. So many times throughout the Bible, there were sacrifices that had to be made for the patriarchs of our faith to be who they are today. Man, I want to ask you, what legacy are you trying to live and what are you willing to give up for that tonight? Come on, I I believe that this is going to be a breakthrough moment for somebody right now. A breakthrough moment for someone. Man, even before service started, so many tears even here at the altar of people just going through things. People saying, man, I don't feel good enough. Man, I don't feel loved enough. Man, I don't feel like I could be a Moses. Man, I feel like I'm stuck in a wilderness. Come on, God wants to be you so that he can get you back to the place that you were designed to be. What is that place? You are called to be a son and daughter of God. You were called to be an heir to the throne. You were called to be seated at the right hand of Christ. You were called to rule and dominate in this life. What are you willing to give up for that? That's a question that all of you need to ask tonight. Man, what are you willing to break off so that God could get you through to your next season of life?